Perfect. I hope you guys have um, enjoyed the summer of renewal. I, I was just blessed that Mark and Mark Anthony got that together. I've really enjoyed all the messages and love Mark's message, Mark Anthony's, Rebecca's, Mike's, and uh, Caleb and Kevin, uh, my boy. Um, so, um, and I'm hoping you guys have experienced some renewal as a result of that. We did, um, I know Mark mentioned the motion conference. We went to a Grow Leadership Conference and learning to be better leaders. Our head usher, Dane, went with us and we're hoping to implement some growth areas there for us individually and for the church. And then I got the pleasure of hanging with Kevin to go to part of the motion conference. And um, I just, the first night, they did a, just a wonderful message on uh, the need to know Jesus and walk with Jesus. And 13,000 youth, youth there and to see thousands upon thousands of hands being raised that they wanted to surrender to Christ. I'm, I'm glad our youth are having fun, but I'm glad to see. And then, and then they didn't hold any punches because the next morning, uh, Pastor Veach, I can't remember his first name, and I'm sorry, I can't remember, Chad Veach, um, talked about the need for the Holy Spirit imparted in your life and gave another opportunity for, and, and y'all, 13,000 youth from all over, Montana and Nebraska, and I mean, just all over, um, so very excited to see what was happening there at Motion, and um, I got to soak for a little bit, didn't get to soak the whole time. So anyway, so we've been talking renewal. If you look in your Bible, you're not going to find the word renewal. Just letting you know, in case you're wondering. Um, but you will find the word renew. So you'll find the word renew. You'll, you'll only find it 10 times. And in the Old Testament, you'll, only, you'll find it nine times there. And it's the word um, kadash um, in the Hebrew. I did my best to say it right, but that was, I mean, yeah. Anybody know Hebrew and you can correct me? Thank you. I did the best I could. All right, so it, it actually means to be new, to rebuild, um, to renew, to repair. And so hopefully we've been experiencing some of that, being built back, renewed, repaired. The Greek word Ananiel, pretty cool, huh? That means to renovate, to reform, specifically to renew your mind. So I'm praying that as we end this series, that today we'll be able to renew what we're meant for. We're gonna be renew, re renewing the big mint, what we're meant for. Um, because I believe that Jesus meant for our life to be abundant. Even, even though we may be dealing with suffering or maybe dealing with pain or maybe dealing with unfortunate things, he, he meant for us to experience um, abundance, to experience joy, even though we might be surrounded by circumstances that may seem like the world's not very joyful and you might be frustrated with stuff. I believe the Lord meant for us to experience his great joy. He meant for us to experience, uh, meant for us to obey him even in a world that sometimes makes it difficult for us to do the right thing, he meant for us to obey him. He also meant for us to experience freedom, to be free, to be completely free and enjoy his freedom. In other words, he, he did not die 
for us not to experience what he meant for us to experience. And so um, this is kind of coming out of my, a lot, a lot of times sermons come, right, come like this. They come right out of, I'm spending my time with Jesus. I'm grateful that I had a man named Alan Berry who discipled me and told me I need to spend time with the word. And I've been doing that faithfully since he communicated that need for me. And I'm grateful for that. And just as I've spent time with the word, I um, hit on a couple verses and did some, did some, some research involved with those verses and just some mulling over those verses and chewing on those verses. And um, so that's what I was doing. And I'm gonna, um, the first one was, was actually found in, in uh, 1 Kings, but I'm gonna, actually gonna go where the, where the second one landed was in 2 Chronicles. We're gonna look at 2 Chronicles. And what's happened is, um, for those that may be new to the faith, or we've been, we've been messing up forever. From the very start, I mean, just go to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis. And, and I mean, it, just, it didn't take very long for both men and women to sin. I mean, we just, we do. And then this gracious God of ours, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our, of our turning from him, who's, who wants to be the source in our life and who wants us, he, he means all these wonderful things. He means great joy. He means freedom. He means all these things for us. In the midst of that, when we fail, he gives an opportunity for us to come back. And as you read through the Bible, and this is what I love about the Bible, the Bible don't lie about stuff, y'all. The, the Bible shoots straight with you. I mean, there's stuff in here that's, and we're going to look at a guy that straight up did some sin. And God forgave him. And God showed him that there's an opportunity for him to fulfill this great plan that he had for him. And so as I was reading in, um, and so what, so what we're looking at here is we, we, we had this period of time where we had these judges and they try to, you know, every 40 years we get it right and then we get it wrong. We get it right, we get it wrong. We get it right, we get it wrong. And then God's people said, well, we want a king. And he gave, God gave us a king and his name was Saul. And he, he failed, he, he, he messed it all up. And then, then God brought in a little fellow, a little, little shepherd named David. And, um, and, and then, um, and then his, the second king after, or the following king was his son, Solomon. And I'm, I'm in here, Solomon, and it, he had just, completed building the temple, which was the replacement for the temporary tabernacle. And, and, um, and beginning in chapter seven of Second Chronicles, fire from heaven came and consumed everything there, um, much like what happened with the tabernacle, the fire by night. And then in Second Chronicles chapter seven, verses 10, we're gonna look at 10 through 15. Then at the end of the celebration, Solomon sent the people home. They were all joyful and glad because the Lord had been so good to David and to Solomon and his people, Israel. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I have heard your prayer. Now, wouldn't that be, I mean, it's great news. I've heard your prayer. And have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls or command grasshoppers to devour your crops or send plagues among you. Then if my people, this is key, then if my people, in other words, when things, bad things happen, if my people who are called my name, my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, which is a very common scripture. You guys have probably heard it multiple times, First. You know, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. So in this, in this 
um, that's not a merry-go-round. What do you call that? A um, um, roller coaster. In this roller coaster, of a, we're doing pretty good. Oh man, we're doing pretty bad. Oh, we're doing pretty good. Oh, we're doing pretty bad. Oh, we're doing pretty good. Oh, we're doing pretty bad. And what he's saying is that when, when you notice and you look around and you say, man, everything's bad. And could, 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 could I get an amen that kind of you look around, everything's kind of bad. And well, the cool thing is when everything's bad, what, 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 what the Lord is telling Solomon is that there's this opportunity for us to do something about it. In other words, if the culture's in a bad situation, it's not the culture's problem. See, we want to blame the culture. What is the culture's doing all this bad stuff? No, it's because we haven't done our work as believers because he gave us this way. He said, if we humble ourselves, if we pray, and if we seek his face, in other words, if we take a serious commitment to this Lord who wants it to be better, wants us to do, wants it to, wants, he's meant for us to experience his freedom. He meant for the people around us that are making the culture crazy to be different and transformed and awakened and revived and be, be believers. But his people have to humble themselves and pray and seek his face. And then to get this, and turn from their wicked ways. You don't hear many, many, many sermons on us turning from our wicked ways. That's part of this. Us recognizing that we have to change. That we've, and hopefully in the midst of humbling ourselves and coming before him and, and, and seeking his face and praying, we'll recognize, yeah, there's some behaviors in my own life that need to change. Because I'm talking like I'm saved, but I'm not living like I'm saved. I'm talking like I belong to the kingdom of God, but, but not experiencing the kingdom of God the way that it's meant for us to experience his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Are you getting that? So, so I'm, I'm focusing on that, but, I, but I, I, I ended up there, okay? I ended up there. And then what happened was, ended up, uh, uh, it, what brought me there was in 1 Kings chapter 3 uh, about Solomon, this dream that he had. And I'm just going to read through it. And I'm going to hit you with the two verses that really hit me that brought me to, back to 2 Chronicles. So this is 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Thank you, Adrian, for helping. And y'all, didn't the worship team, I just brought, didn't the worship team do a phenomenal job today? I mean, just brought us to Jesus. That was a squirrel moment. Okay, so 1 Kings 3, verse 3, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense in the local places of worship. See, if I was writing the Bible, I would skip that part. You know what I'm saying? But the Bible's clear up. It, it just tells it like it is. Okay, here we got this guy that's following God, but in the midst of it, he's also, he's not quite right there. You know, he's, he's also... He's offering sacrifices of burnt incense at the local places of worship. We've been doing it forever. <laughs> it's who we are as people. And the Bible doesn't whitewash it and say, you know, it didn't skip that part is what I'm saying. So, 
The most important of these places of worship was, a, this is verse four. The most important of these places of worship was a Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night, and in the midst of that, that night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, what do you want? Ask and I'll give it to you. Now Solomon responded to the dream. May we, may we respond as well. When there's, when, there's, when there's those moments where the Lord is speaking to us in dream or other way, may we be as wise to respond to him, right? This is what I love. Solomon replied, you showed faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued your faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on the throne. Now, O Lord, my God, you've made me king instead of my father, David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they, they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong for who by my, himself is able to govern this great people of yours. Now, I mean, you're hearing that, obviously the next verse, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in, in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for and I will give you a wise and understanding heart so as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Spoiler alert. Verse six, Solomon said, you showed my faithful love to your father, your, your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And in verse 14, and if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father, David did, I will give you a long life. But we all know the secret about David. Well, if you're new to the faith, you may not know the secret about David. Because in, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David was, all the, all the, 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 the military was out, out doing their thing and he was hanging out, checking things out on the rooftop. And he sees a young maiden appropriately named Bathsheba because she was in a bath. And you would assume that she was probably naked in the bath because we usually take baths, you know, that way. And if you know the rest of the story, what happens is David was enthralled. And David, being a king, called for her to come to his place and he had sex with her. And he got her pregnant. She came back and said, you got me pregnant later on. And then if, you, if, you're, if you're reading this, I'm just giving you the best I can here. Second Samuel 11, 1 through 27. You can read it for yourself if you're not believing it. And so, and, and this is in the Bible, okay? This is not like whitewash. This is in the Bible. Okay, at, this is in the Bible. And, and so, so he got somebody pregnant. They sent him down to Skylark. No, they didn't because it didn't exist. He says, well, what I could do is I, I could get his, her husband to come back out of the military and make sure he has a little sex with his wife and I'm covered. 
He attempts it twice, but his, his military guy, Uriah, was so faithful to the military, he didn't, he didn't dare, while the other men were fighting, have sex with his wife. Even after got, getting, be, being drunk to try to coerce him into it. Well, David tried the, did the next plan. Well, I know what I'll do. I'll just tell my, one of my heads of my military to just take him and make sure he's in the front line where he accidentally gets killed. Accidentally. This is in the Bible. It's not covered up. It's not lied about. But in the midst of this, we see in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 6 and verses 14, where it talks about, and David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And in verse 14, and if you follow me and obey my decrees and my, my commands as your father David did, I will, I will give you a long life. And then the rest of the story is in 2 Samuel chapter 12, one of my favorite. It's what I call backdoor confrontation. Nathan the prophet does some backdoor confrontation. He doesn't come up to David and say, you're a sinner and you need to go to hell because you've been fornicating and having sex with people and you got somebody killed. He didn't, he didn't do that. He tells him a story. He says, there's this guy that has a whole bunch of sheep. He's very rich. He has a whole bunch of sheep. And there's a guy next door to him that has one sheep. He's like a baby family member. They call him Fluffy. And Fluffy was buying his own business, but somebody came to visit the guy with a bunch of sheep and he didn't want to kill one of his sheep for these visitors that came in. So he, he crawled over the fence, got fluffy, and he cooked fluffy for this family. Poor little fluffy. Now, it's not exactly written like this in the Bible, but you can, you can see it in, in, um, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 25. And then, then what happens, David's hearing the story from Nathan and he said, what's he say? He says in verse seven, then Nathan said to David, excuse me, he said, excuse me, in verse five, David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed any man who, should, who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay for four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and the, having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave your master's house and his wives and kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And, and if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? Nathan called him straight out, right? After he backdoored him. For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and, and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to, your, to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you've done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Any of those in, y'all, in your daily promise book? Nathan, thanks. How did David respond? Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. And the keys to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, and the keys to 1 Kings, excuse me, 3 verse 14 is found right there. When Nathan said, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. (laughs) 
Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. That's why it could be said of King David, you showed faithful love to your servant, my my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. Now, it's not that, that David didn't deal with this. I mean, David, you saw that David will end up losing his son. And you see in Psalm, if you look at Psalm uh, 51, you see how David um, mourned this. Um, in, in Psalm 51, where he says, have, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilty guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I re- re- recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will prove right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yet, yes, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But, but you, you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and, 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 and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. That word renew I mentioned that was one of, one of the nine times is right here. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I'll teach you your, teach your ways to rebels and, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves me. When I willfully, joyfully sin, excuse me, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. David committed adultery. He murdered a man. He confessed his sin. He mourned his sin. And he was forgiven. We were meant to be renewed. We were meant to, we are, we are meant to experience his forgiveness. Even if we failed, we could be renewed and then be a renewer, which is not a word, I don't think. We are meant to be renewed to renew. Maybe that's the better way to put it. But what about the hurt and pain that David caused? Because he caused some hurt and pain. I love this quote by Pastor John Piper. He said, don't let the imperfections and failures of men turn you away from the perfections and triumphs of Christ who will never, never fail you. The reason Solomon could say those things and the reason that God himself said that David was a man after his own heart was because he was made new when he asked the Lord to forgive him. Now, in your brain, you might be saying, well, Patrick, isn't that kind of a license for people to sin? Because you're saying you can do something and can get away with it. No, you don't get away with it. Romans chapter six clearly says you don't get away with sin. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. How shall we who have died to sin continue to live in it? No, we, we, we don't get away with it. Sin always has consequences. And we saw that in the life of David. But what we see is this. When we sin and we fail and we ask the Lord to forgive us, that he'll, in David's, in, in, in the Old Testament understanding, that though our sins were white, uh, red as 
as um, though our sins were red as sin, excuse me, though our sins were red as scarlet, he will wash us clean and white as snow. I think I got that close in Isaiah. And though, and when he forgives us, our sins are from the, as far as the east as the west, away from us, gone from us. And so he was new. He was brand new. There's a New Testament guy kind of like, like David as well. It's a guy, a guy named Paul. And, um, and, and Paul, um, if you look at Acts chapter 9, you see that Paul was actually killing Christians. And he had just gotten permission. In, in, in Acts chapter 9, verses 1, he says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats, who, who, who was named Paul later. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way. He found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains and as he was approaching Damascus, so, so he, wanted, he wanted to get Christians, he wanted to get Christ followers, and he wanted to gather them all up and take them to be stoned, like Stephen was stoned. And he set this up. He was a murderer of Christians. And then, then, then look what happens. As he was approaching Damascus on the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting, persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Which was great that he knew to answer that question. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what to do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by hand to, to, to Damascus. Now, in verse 10, now there's a, a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke in a vision to him calling Ananias. And, and again, he, he answered the Lord. And may we be those that answer the Lord when the Lord calls on us the way that we, we see this, right? Um, and he said, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to the straight street to the house of Judas. When you get there, Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. This former murderer, murderer is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But the Lord exclaimed, Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Ananias, rightfully so, was like, dude, are you... Lord, are you setting me up to be killed by this guy because he's been murdering Christians? In other words, it, it didn't whitewash the fact that this guy, Saul, had been killing people. And it, and it brings me back again, it brings me back again to what, what John Piper said. That the Lord can redeem people. The Lord can redeem our enemies. The Lord desperately wants to redeem our enemies. Could it not be clearer that he took a murderer of Christians? Could it not be clearer that he wants to redeem even the worst of the worst? 
And so, but Ananias was, you know, I've heard many people talk about this terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. I mean, if you read behind, behind but, you know, in between lines, I'm a little, little, little scared about this guy, right? And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. The Lord said, go, for Saul's chosen instrument, this former murderer, just a few verses ago, just a few minutes ago, a chosen instrument, a chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake, which that probably isn't part of your promise scriptures either. So Ananias went and found Saul. He, he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, Brother Saul. Do you not get the humor in that? Brother Saul. Brother Saul. I get the humor. Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me to that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales from, fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus. He stayed with the believers in Damascus. Are you getting this? Former murderer asking like nothing ever happened. He ate some food, regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying he is indeed the son of God. All who heard this were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem. They ask, and didn't he come here to arrest them and take him in chains and leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proof that Jesus was, Jesus was indeed the Messiah. One more time what John Piper said, don't let the imperfections and failures of men Turn you away from the perfections and triumphs of Christ who will never, never fail you. Former murderer, now fulfilling God's vision. He was meant to fulfill God's vision. If you've been in our church a while, you, we know that we believe that God's vision for you and for, and for, for us is we're to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And I believe that's what happened with the Apostle Paul. His sin, past failures did not keep him from the future God meant for him, he meant for 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 um, for Paul to have this other purpose. His sin, past failures, did not keep him from the future God meant for him. Paul prayed that the church would have the same experience in in Ephesians chapter one, verses uh, sixteen through eighteen. He said, "I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God." the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of God, know God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded um, with the light, find freedom, so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, discover purpose. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance make a difference. 
You are meant to make a difference. Your past sins, your current sins, and your future sins, your hurts, your pain, your suffering cannot keep you from what God intends for your future. Unless you allow the enemy of your soul to hoodwink you. And that's what the enemy of your soul has been doing from the very beginning, trying to hoodwink you and me. To think that, to get so focused on our sins and our past and all these other things that we don't recognize the triumph of Christ. We, we sang earlier, this, our sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. No. Yes, our sin, not in part, but the whole. It's hard to, I'm, I'll be very honest with you, it's very hard, there's this tension of, of understanding that, that it's not just our past sins, it's our current sins and our future sins that have been washed by the blood of Jesus. And if we're not careful, what happens is we allow the enemy of our souls. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, the thief's purpose is steal, to kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. The thief, the, our enemy of our soul, wants to steal our, our life, steal our time, steal our energy by us focusing on our sin. Instead of the glorious triumph, instead of the glorious blood-bought sacrifice that, that freed us from our sins, Okay, again, I'm not giving a license for sin here. I'm, 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 just rec- I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to try to try to dismiss that sin has consequences, but I'm, what I'm trying to do is get us to the place where our sin doesn't um, um, lock us up and steal our, our future from us. Um, I, mean, I, I'm be, be, I mean, I know in our church, we have people that battle with pornography. We have a culture that battles with pornography. We have a culture that battles with, with, with sin of, of, of sex outside of marriage. There's dozens of scriptures in, in the Bible that talk about um, sex outside of marriage. We have, a, we have a problem with gossiping and lying and stealing. We, 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 deal, we, we deal with these things. And if you're struggling with a sin, the, the enemy of our soul, what's, what the enemy of our soul wants to do is he wants you to focus on the sin. I'm not going to look at pornography anymore. I'm going to quit looking at pornography. I'm going to stop looking at pornography. Well, what are, you, what are you focusing on there? The sin. But it's already been washed under the blood. And our focus needs to be on him. And the greatness of him forgiving and cleansing us of that, of that sin. Um, bear with me. I, I'm gonna bring an illustration to kind of, I hope this kind of helps. If it doesn't, I did a bad job. But I use this illustration all the time at Skylark in helping couples because we, we deal with couples who are having sex outside of marriage and, and according to the word of God, first, uh, there's dozens of scriptures that tell you you shouldn't be having sex outside of marriage. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying, if, if you're here and you're having sex outside of marriage, I'm not trying to heap on any condemnation on you. Matter of fact, you'll find out I'm trying to set you free so you can experience what God wants for you. And so at Skylark, we help couples to recognize that, that them having sex outside of marriage is not helping them. You can go to 1 Thessalonians chapter four. It's very clear. Matter of fact, it's one of the very few times in scripture where it says this, this is the will of God that you not participate in sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is any type form of sex outside of marriage. So me, a married man, having sex outside of marriage is sexual sin. Me, not married, I'm already married, but if I were not married and I was having sex outside of sin, outside of marriage, that's, that's sin according to the scripture, okay? And so one time I had a couple and um, I, 
this is the first time I ever did this. So, uh, I, they both worked at Waffle House. I call them the Waffle House couple. And they came in and I was trying to help them understand what I'm trying to teach y'all, that your sin doesn't, keep, keep, doesn't you, your sin doesn't hold you, but you, you've got a future. And don't let your sin in your past keep you from experiencing what God wants for your future. And so I gave them a little timeline. This is when you bo- you're born. This is when you die. And all along there, all along in there, you pay taxes. I mean, that's one thing you got to understand. And then, then, then what I told them is this, this is today. What's today, y'all? 7, 20, 30, 7, 30. That's right. Thank you. 7, 30. And you've had sex in the past. Oh, well. Can't do anything about your past. We're not here to do anything about your past. But what if, what if from this point forward until, and, and this couple actually told me they were going to get married in 10 days, Okay. And you might say, Patrick, what's the use? No, because I believe that there was a plan for them to experience a great relationship. I, I went ahead and went there and said, look, you got, you, you got a, there's a better plan for you than you having sex outside of marriage right now until you get married. And so, I gave, so, I, so, so they were going to get married in 10 days. And so I told them, what if, okay, this is the past. We're not focused on the past. We're going to focus on the future and this glorious future you have. What if for those 10 days, you choose not to have sex? And I asked this couple, I said, if you choose not to have sex during those 10 days, if you just choose to like build your relationship and build your, you know, work on relationship issues, make sure you're getting prepared for a great marriage. What if you did that instead of having sex? Would that, what would that do to your levels of trust? Would that increase or decrease it? And that's what they said. They said increase it. I said, what would it do for your, your, your values of your, like your, 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 um, uh, the amount of love you have for each other? Do you think it would increase or decrease the amount of love you have? They said it would increase. And I just started going through these relationship issues of saying, what would it do for your relationship if you had these 10 days where you did what was right for yourself, what would that do for you? In other words, instead of focusing on the sin, focus on the the good things that are coming out of you not walking in that sin and you experiencing his forgiveness and you moving forward in in your life. Does that make sense? And so we started focusing on those things. And and so then let's say you did that for those 10 days. Then what's going to happen on your wedding day? Yeah, you're going to have what I call a sex blastorama is what you're going to have. And you're going to enjoy sex together until the day you die. That's what's going to happen. Y'all know. So, 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 what, what, so I wasn't blasting about their sin. I was, just, I was trying to help them understand that their future, that God has this great plan for their future. And that, that if you can experience it, walk in it, you're going to experience freedom. I knew this was going to happen. So I'm just going what I'm, to, what, I'm, what, I'm, what, I, what I want to do is I'll just hit a few verses just to kind of help you understand that God's just got this great plan for you, that you are not to be battling your sin, but you're supposed to be pressing forward with what God meant for you, freedom, deliverance, truth, trust, engagement. He, he wants the best for you. So Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer you that live. He lives in you and you are free from your sin. And unless you allow the enemy of your soul to hoodwink you, you're free from your sin. And you shouldn't focus on it. You should focus on him who, who, who is in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. You're a new person. The old life has gone away. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Walk in that. Walk in that. A new life has begun. 
And all of it is a gift from God. It's, this is all a gift from God. Nothing you did who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. So, so that we can bring others to him because we're walking in that freedom. And they see us walking in that freedom. They're like, wow, that person's walking in freedom. I want some of that. And then we can clearly hear the Holy Spirit when he's talking to us and saying, that person right there needs you to talk to them and you hear it and you'll press forward. Instead of focus on the sin, you're focused on the freedom and walking in the triumph that Christ had for you, just like he did for David and just like he did for Paul. You have so much more opportunity than you're walking in if you're allowing the sin, the past, whatever the hurts, whatever the pain, whatever the things are. God has a plan for you to make a difference. Romans chapter eight, verses one through four. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you, freed you, ladies and gentlemen, from the power of the sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. So we can experience his freedom. So we can be free from sin and walk in that freedom. Come on, y'all. Ref- uh, so, 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 verse Romans 13, verses 8 through 14. I'm out of time. I'm moving forward. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandment says that you must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These are all such commandments as are summed up in one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, if you love your neighbor, love him. You're, the, the love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is, this is verse 11. This is all those more, this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. This is what it says in the Bible. Wake up. For our salvation is nearer now than when we we first believed. The night is almost uh, gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds, little like dirty clothes. Take off the dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of the wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or quarreling and jealousy. Instead, Instead, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about, any, about ways to indulge your evil desires. Ephesians chapter 4, 21 through 24. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature. Don't be duped by the enemy. And your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit, that word renew, I told you, I promise you, you see it, let let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to to be like God, truly righteous and holy. A guy named Bob George, I was listening to a podcast, a guy named Bob George, um, just a regular old guy said this, Jesus gave his life for us so, so he could give his life to us. So we can live his life through us. We're reconciled by God. And he wants to experience his kingdom living now. I didn't say easy. I didn't say carefree. I didn't say never hard living. I said, but kingdom living now. Why? So we can make a difference. Colossians 1.27 says this. 
To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of this glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You and I are one in whom Christ delights. Not your past sin, not your past hurts, not your past whatever. You are in whom Christ delights. I was listening to a different podcast and heard a a guy named Brian Smith. He put it this way. I'm one in whom Christ dwells and delights. In other words, stop saying I'm a rotten sinner. I'm a failure. I can't do this right. I'm terrible. No, I'm one in whom Christ dwells and delights. Jesus meant for your life to be abundant, even in the midst of suffering. He meant you to experience joy even when there's seemingly nothing to be joyous over. He meant us to obey when it seems difficult to do what's right. He meant for freedom, even when the culture may take everything away, we hold dear. He meant for us to be light when the darkness seems to be the darkest. He meant, to make a, he meant for us to make a difference, even when there seems to be no way. You and I are one in whom Christ dwells and delights. Let's make a difference. I think today is a wonderful day to experience that we're going to, we're, Pastor Mark's going to lead us in a time of communion. But I want to say this. If you've never put your trust in Christ for salvation, what a beautiful time to do it. Your, your past sins are forgiven. Past, current, and forever, ever. So you can experience freedom. And Christ wants to walk you in that. And if you've never experienced that, I'm, I'm gonna be hanging out and I would love to pray for you. And what I hope for the rest of us is that we'll recognize what Jesus meant for us. And we'll, we'll, we'll let, stop letting the enemy of our soul dupe us. Um, and then after communion, after we do some communion, um, the ushers, because I know I wanted to be a little reminder to you that you're meant for more. And I wanted you to get the sensation of what that meant. There'll be some mints on your way out for you to get the sensation that you were meant for more and you know you know if you're you you know if you're sitting there today ladies and gentlemen the holy spirit's spoken to your heart you know if the holy spirit spoken to your heart you know that there's meant more meant for your life than what you've experienced right now you know that I, i can't i can't preach that into you But if you've been uneasy about this and you know your life's meant for more, then respond to the Holy Spirit and allow him to work through you. This is a wonderful opportunity to do it during our time of communion, a time to recognize how the blood of Jesus washed us from our sins, cleansed us so that we can have life and live it more abundantly.